If you're ready to dream, dream big here on Katie Keen Cast, the Katie Keen Podcast. I am Alex. I'm Justin, the dreamer. Uh, I'm Pete. No dream also Pete. The dreamer. No dream Pete. Dream- no dreamless. I no uh, dream- rarely dream. <laughs> Makes sense. That's because you always fall into bed in an alcoholic stupor, Pete. That's right. And then I wake up in a rage. (laughs) Uh, This guy needs a dream. Uh, Well, it's funny you say that uh, about rage because the opposite rage is love. And we're going to be talking about Katie Keene, Chapter 2, You Can't Hurry Love, the second episode of the show. Now, before we get to the recap, before we talk about anything with the show, uh, as we are wont to do with second episodes of shows, we love the premiere, thought it was great. Yes. I just want to get your bead on the second episode now that we are fully into it. And, and I'll give you my take first. I felt like this, and I, and I was surprised about this, but this episode did a good job of repiloting in my mind. Like, it very much felt like they added a couple of details, but they were hitting a lot of the same beats as the first episode, which is a very old school TV technique where used to be when you broadcast once a week and there weren't really any repeats, you get that pilot, people would hear about it during the week, and then you get the second episode and be like, oh yeah, I get what this show is about. And that's kind of what I got from this one, which, mind you, I liked, but I, I was surprised to discover Well, in this episode, I felt like had more balance between all of the sort of main four characters, uh, which I thought was cool. We learned more about each of them uh, in this episode. And in general, I love the tone of the show is like hits a sweet spot. It's nostalgic for New York. It feels like an old Hollywood television show movie. The characters are like. Um, archetypes, but they're still interesting, and uh, and the dialogue is great. It f- it just has a nice structure that is just satisfying. It's like good candy. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. I felt like they did a good job of being like uh, picking up and just kind of, yeah, not making big swings or choices, but kind of like slowly moving the plot forward in a way that's like, hey, you know, like th- these are who these characters are. I also really like... Um, Katie Keene and her kind of struggle with love and like you can you know I thought it was I thought it was handled well like clearly KO is a great person for her but you know that thing of like is this the one and she was kind of surprised with the proposal so I like the way it was handled I think I like this especially because Riverdale is an insane show. Sabrina's insane. It's nice to have a show that just kind of is like, this is a clean version of New York. Like Justin is saying, it's like, uh, it's kind of a nostalgia. It's not real New York, but it's like kind of what New York feels like, especially when you just get here. That's a great point. It feels like new New York. Also, I will say this episode is very high in vitamin J. (laughs) Wait, what does that mean? It's very jellical. It's like, this is, episode is extremely jellical. <laughs> I is this a cats reference? Or you're yeah, you're goddamn doing... right it is because oh, we, okay. we get like, Jorge auditioning for cats later in the right. episode, and that is uh, jellicality I did not see coming. 
Yes. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into it. Uh, I know I didn't want to hurry us here at the beginning because you can't hurry love, but we got to hurry through this recap <laughs> here. There's not too much you need to know other than Katie Keene is a ho- hopeful fashion designer in New York, or at least she is destined to become a fashion designer. Right now, she is working in a department store named Lacey's. At Lacey's, she used to work as a personal shopper, or at least wanted to be a personal shopper. She was an assistant to Gloria. Uh, Grandbilt, is that her full name? Uh, who yeah. is sort of the dragon lady. She's the Miranda Priestly of Lazy's, but ended up instead working designing the windows, which is a much more comfortable job for her. With Francois, yeah. or did she? Yes. Ooh, or did yeah. she? That is a good question. She's also dating a boxer named K.O. Kelly, who at the very end of the episode proposed to her surprise outside a pizza place. Yeah. But it was a New York pizza place New where York you hold the pizza, pizza like this. With the big diamond ring. Don't get any sauce on the diamond because it's a beautiful looking diamond. Hey. But, hey. Hey, but that's, you know. It's real because you can tell because there's a pizza place, so you know it's New York. That's Amore. It's either New York or <laughs> California Pizza Kitchen, which is obviously national. Could be a Papa John's. Could be a Papa John's, maybe. Guys, no, that's that a New was York clearly pizza none place. of those things. Yeah. I've actually, there was guys, a guy who came out and said, hey, I wanted to apologize for <laughs> lying about eating 40 pizzas in 30 days. Wow. So I, that felt like it might have been a Papa John's or it might have just been a coincidence. The Papa you himself got, was there. That's the topicality people demand. I, guys, I've never had pizza outside of Papa John's. Is there <laughs> better pizza than that? Oh, my God. I hate I you. I also have only had pizza at Papa John's, so I'm not 100% sure, but love those banana peppers. Uh, <laughs> yum. That's how pizza's meant to be eaten, with a handful <laughs> of peppers. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, I did off, go into a favorite. No, I'm sorry, what, Pete. I, no, it's no, no, to no. Say this, this is ridiculous. You can't just say things like this. Okay. First off. Banana peppers are delicious, so fuck both of you guys. And secondly, uh, fucking Papa John's pizza, really? That's the one that you're going to be like, that's the only pizza I've had? So, I was Pete, thinking you're saying you've, I was thinking you've been of trying to a New York da- pizzeria, Pete? Yes. Yes, I oh, have. Okay, when you go into a, a New York pizzeria, uh, how much garlic butter do they give you to dip your pizza crust in? Is they it don't. like a bowl or That's a not thing? a real thing. I've been thinking of trying Domino's, but I'm worried it's too artisanal for me. Oh, my God. This is painful. I tried tried Pizza Hut once. Too rich. Too rich for my blood. (laughs) Too expensive. They put too many great ingredients in there. No thanks. I've only bought pizza from a hut-shaped building. Are there other other types of building that pizzas come in? (laughs) So I guess this is a long way of saying this scene at the end of the last episode of Katie Keene, very confusing for us. When you you name a kid KO, he's going to become a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think his full name is? Um... I'd, Knock I out Kelly, I assume. Knock I assume out? his first name is Knock, his middle name is Out, and his last name is Kelly. Oh, I guess. I mean that that I guess makes the most sense. Um, but he could also be um, kicking it old school, Kelly. Oh Ooh. yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, great. We're still recapping what happened on the previous episode. Let's jump over to Josie McCoy, who has moved from Riverdale in upstate New York, of course, we assume, uh, to touring (laughs) around the country, finding her voice as a musician, came to New York, moved in with Katie Keene, hooked up with a highfalutin record producer named Alexander Cabot, but got messed up by his mean sister, Zandra Cabot, a.k.a. Alexandra Cabot, uh, who has a skunk stripe in her hair and a bone to pick with her brother who uh, apologized to Josie 
but she was a little bit on the rocks and decided she was going to find her dream the own way. Now, the other dreamers, real quick before we move yeah. on, Alex, um, as an Alexander, have you ever thought about going as Xander? I did. I actually like Xander, but yes. there was Xander on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I felt like I can't do that. Wow. I know what I'm calling you from now on, which you really love, Xander. Zand. Mm. The Zand man. Uh, Enter Zand man. I, I would You're also start to sound like my Bob, who actually does call me Zads. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's funny. I call you Zalbs. Yeah, there you go. You're my dad, so it's not that weird. Oh, oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, I would like to say it starts with her complaining about walking 50 blocks in heels. I didn't believe that. Okay. I We're mean, not done with the recap yet, Pete. Oh, damn yeah, it. Don't try to hurry this along. other characters to go. You jumped too far ahead. We've been taking too many side trips. And as we've already established, you can't hurry recaps. You just have to wait. <laughs> recaps don't come easy. They're a game of give and take. So let's jump over to talk about Jorge Lopez, a.k.a. Ginger Lopez. Jorge, uh, his parents own the building that they all live in. He works at the bodega downstairs. He dreams of Broadway stardom. He acted out at a audition for Mannequin the Musical, the last episode, by dressing up as his drag alter ego, Ginger Lopez, by owning himself uh, and owning his power, uh, which everybody was very proud of him for. That obviously has repercussions that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but he also performs at a club downtown called Molly's Crisis, where he truly is a star, or she truly is a star, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and then the last character you need to know about is Pepper Smith. She is an it girl who seems to know everybody. We find out a lot more about her this episode. Yes. That all said... Let's jump into it and actually start walking through this. As Pete mentioned, we get a little bit of a, a twist, a feint here. You think they're picking up on the cliffhanger from the last episode as Katie is walking around in heels, reviewing her relationship with K.O., but it's actually a flashback to the first time they met, yeah. which I thought was great. What a fun way of starting it. I did like this. It made me worried for his proposal right out of the gate. Um, yeah. So I think that was a good thing. And I loved how she talked about the A-train breaking down, which I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it has happened to me, so I get it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I've only had perfect subway service here in New York. Wow. All, MTA, all I'm saying, though, is me down. 50 blocks in high heels, uh, you'd be a little bit more angrier than that. Wow. Yeah. He sounds like a man know, who's done uh, it before. Yeah. Fred Astaire actually did that backwards in regular shoes. <laughs> wow. I don't know if you're using that correctly, Alex. Um, I think I got to add the letter. So the other thing that we find out here, which becomes very important to the episode, is that K.O. has a big Irish family that basically adopted Katie after her mother died. So there's a very strong familial tie going on there beyond, obviously, her romantic tie with K.O. And it's just the main conflict. Yeah. And uh, I like that a lot. It's exciting also that um, the the K.O.'s mother is the mother of Lena Dunham in girls. Oh, really? It's the same uh, family, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Lena Dunham, you think, from girls is going to show up at some point. Yeah. I think in girls, she talked about her brother KO a lot. Hmm. Mm. I never really watched the show. I just watched that clip of Adam Driver in the shower a bunch of times. <laughs> cool. Congrats. Uh, for work, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it, that, it's the same actor who plays KO's mom, who is great. Well, 
Very cool. Uh, now, then we get the next conflict that's going on. We cut, finally get back to the proposal, and the ring gets stolen, and oh. KO chases after the guy. But I thought the way this played out also was just great, that it ends up on the front page of the newspaper, that KO, of course, is very focused on it. But it creates this immediate, uh, very ridiculous, but actually kind of like very New York complication that allows her to put off her answer for a while. Yeah. yeah, And that's a real thing. Like, people do uh, steal rings when you propose. I've seen the YouTube videos. Uh, oh, really? That's why they say in New York you have to propose with one hand on a loaded pistol. Yeah. <laughs> so in case anybody Or nunchucks. I yeah. always say it takes a uh, good guy with a ring to stop a bad guy with a yeah, ring. Oh, that doesn't make true. any sense. I mean, listen, again, I'm very in control of my sayings and aphorisms this episode, I think. Uh, so then we get over to, I keep saying everything is my favorite thing, but, uh, we talked about this on the first episode. Some one choice that I think is so strong on the show is having that central hub of the apartment that everybody can go to. Yes. And we establish this right after that, where all the friends, the four of them are chatting in the apartment, breaking down their lives, what's going on, talking about their troubles. And it's great. Like, it's it's a smart way not just of orienting the show, but also early on getting these actors who have just met each other to know each other really well and figure out what their repartee is. Yeah, I really like the everyone gathered on the bed, which happens a couple times in this episode and seems to be like the recurring like reset point for the show. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, so very telling here. For Katie, when they ask her, of course, you want to marry him. He's the perfect guy. Yeah. She pauses uh, when asked Deadly if she pause. loves him. And in my mind, that's the death knell of the relationship, right? That shit is over. Well, with. I don't know. I mean, Jorge was quick to be like, you better lock that down. Um, I feel like, you know, especially when something is like you're not like she wasn't thinking about it. She got surprised with a proposal. Now she's like really considering it for the first time. She knows she loves him, but she doesn't know if he's the one that she wants to marry, which I believe it. I think that's smart, you know? Yeah, but you and can't, I'm, you can't pause like that. That's why you, like when anyone asks me an important question, I never pause no matter whether I have an answer or not. Is that true? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I will. I, I will marry you. Wow. <laughs> Wait, no, no, that's not what I was asking. Okay. Uh, but, Sorry, I wasn't listening. But, I was just waiting to not pause. So I, no I one feel got like weird. I liked the way this was handled. I thought like, yes, it's heartbreaking for poor KO. But I feel like, uh, you know, it was cool to see her like really consider it, you know? Uh, yeah. And then KO does return. He says he's going to get the ring back. Uh, we have a sexy sex montage, yes. which honestly, weirdly felt a little out of place in the show. It's been so sweet and clean for the first episode and bit to suddenly have like a classic CW sex montage. Surprising. Threw me off my game a little bit. Oh, threw you off your game. Uh, yeah. that's definitely the wrong phrase there. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel like what it was game out are you of talking place? about? Mm, the bigger game that You're I'm playing. <laughs> You know, your own private sex game. I mean, it's clear that Katie wants to be physically engaged to KO, even if she doesn't want to be uh, legally engaged to him. Yeah. I, I do wonder on that point how much of this is going to be the show as a whole about 
getting away from this tone that we have set up, if they are actually growing up in New York, is it going to be sweet and clean and a fairy tale of New York throughout? Or are we slowly going to get grittier and more realistic? And I don't think we'll get to the point where it's like season five of Katie Keat is the deuce or anything like that. But (laughs) (laughs) it's going to I do wonder if like it's part of it is Katie's path to growing up. And not looking at things as earnestly and more realistically or not. I, I just don't that know would, at this point. That would be awesome if as the show goes on, like the city gets more and more grimy and gritty. That would be hilarious. It goes backwards in time, back to the 70s. Yeah. People start I, I spray mean, painting the subways. I think that uh, I think this tone is really, uh, it's, it's what separates the show from so many other shows uh, right now. So I think it would be a mistake to lose that. I think the characters can grow through the storybook of it um, and then start to make those choices. But I don't think it has to get dark or uh, more like gritty in any way. Yeah. Uh, Then we get another nice bit of establishment. We had had a scene in the previous episode where Josie and Katie sat and ate sandwiches at a lighthouse uh, in Washington Heights. I think that's where it was. Uh, Right underneath the GWB. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Which we were wondering about this last episode, and their apartment is in Washington Heights. I think that was established, so there you go. Uh, But we find out the lighthouse is her secret spot. That's where Katie talks to her mom, even though her mom is gone. And she asks her, give me a sign. What should I do? And that sign comes when Gloria calls her and says, we need you to come into work. And Katie's like, I don't work for you anymore. And Gloria's like, I don't care. Click. Which, super fun. Yeah. A lot of my ex-bosses call me and are like, get back here and keep waiting tables. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of this show so far is trucking in archetypes, and it is a very classic archetype. But I like, in the first episode, we set up Gloria as an antagonist for Katie, along with Amanda, her second-in-command. Here, it feels like Gloria is more the Miranda Priestly dragon lady with a secret heart of gold is what we're getting. And I'm a total sucker for that. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm curious to see if she has a heart of gold or she just is like in, at certain points, she's a little nice. I, mm. I'd be curious to see if she actually becomes sort of a mother figure. It feels like it could go either way. Uh, then we get, And I want to hear from you guys on this, but my favorite New York detail of the episode, which is they Josie tries to pay Jorge the rent and hands him one third of one thousand dollars because she's like, well, three people live in here. So the rent's a thousand dollars. And he's like, no, honey, it's a thousand dollars a person even though they're living in this tidy, cramped apartment. And to me, I was like, without doors, (laughs) without doors. And I was like, you know what? That is spot on. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that tracks completely. Uh, you couldn't even living in a small place with multiple roommates. A thousand dollars each is no no surprise. Yeah, the only the only trick there I would say is Washington Heights. Like if they were living in the East Village, one hundred percent. Like that, absolutely. There's three five thousand dollars something like that for an apartment that size. I don't but know. Maybe even up there, I I think, think? I don't think that's not. Uh, I think that's sort of believable. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Josie is shocked. She's going to get some, have to get some money. Uh, at this point, I think we can kind of follow everybody's plot lines individually, right? Because they yeah. start to branch out. Uh, why don't we follow Josie? Jo- 
Yeah, let's talk yeah. about Josie's plot line. Uh, so she is wandering through the village. Well, she has a job. A rec- she, but when she, before she starts that, she has a job at Plunkin' Donuts, uh, yeah. is what she says, which is maybe the worst job you can get coming to New York. Plunkin Dude, what donuts? are you talking about? Free donuts? Are you freaking kidding me? That is a perk, I guess. But that's like what a 10-year-old would want in a job, is free donuts. <laughs> How dare you? I also am going to venture a guess if you're working at a Dunkin' Donuts, it's not all the free donuts you can eat. It's yeah. all the donuts you can pay for and then you can eat them. No way. I think it's like after a certain time, like you can eat the donuts because maybe they'll go bad or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? They gotta you think there's a, there's a free for all in the donuts <laughs> at 5 p.m.? <laughs> Yeah, uh, 5 p.m. No. Oh, 5 p.m.? Uh, no, you, Pete, I thought you were going to think it was like 10 a.m. or something. <laughs> no. 10 a.m., donuts, fair game. Grab all you want. <laughs> the donuts aren't uh, yeah, like Cinderella's she, pumpkin coach. They last. Yeah, she's working at the Plug of Donuts, but uh, she wanders around to find an old record store. I think it's called Chubby's. Is that right? That's Chubby's. Chubby's. Chubby Checker. Chubby Checkers. Uh, and she goes into the record store says she wants to work there, immediately gets hired, and then uh, maybe the next day they're shutting down the store. Yeah, what timing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, love- I have to imagine it's he blew all of his money hiring Josie, so she actually shut down the store, right? Yeah, no, the benefits package at this um, <laughs> so mom-and-pop record store has got to be crazy. Um, I love how she. we have another mention of how Riverdale's a rough town. Oh, yeah. That's yes. very fun. I I love all the Riverdale Easter eggs. Like, uh, we'll get to. There's another Riverdale reference yeah. later on that I a have some. One. I have some quibbles with. Personally, Ooh, interesting. We'll head over to Pete's Quibble Corner and check that one out. It's Pete's Quibble Corner. Pete owns it, uh, but I just visit there sometimes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Alex goes. He talks to Josie. He apologizes. He still believes in her. Uh, he still really, really wants to work with her. Which I think is great. As like he should. Yeah, I mean, they have good chemistry, so I'm excited to see them together. Uh, and then uh, Josie is cataloging albums, finds a secret piano in the shop. Piano. Turns out, yeah. Very lightly secret. Yes. Uh, sings the title of the episode, which, love that. Sings Can't Hurry Love. It's gorgeous. Can't do it. And it's over a montage of K.O. and Katie going to a party, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but then, as we mentioned, Josie finds out the store is closing, and she hatches a plan at another party towards the end of the episode where she invites Alex. He's excited to be there, and she says, I want you to save Chubbies, and if you save Chubbies, maybe we'll talk about working together. So, of course, he buys it. And at the end of the episode, they're all drinking. Zandra enters, and she's going to be a jerk about things. Yeah. Now, yeah. how did we... It was an emotional roller coaster. They were like, yeah, we saved it. And I'm like, guys, guys, don't forget about the evil sister. And then she shows up and was like, yeah, this is all changing. And I was like, how did you guys forget about the fact that you have an evil sister? She ruined the last episode. Yeah, well, I we can talk like, about the... Evil uh, thing. Oh, what yeah. were you going to say, Justin? I was saying, I don't know if she's going to. I feel like she's a jerk, but is she going to like turn it into like a Starbucks or something? Like, what's the evil plan? Probably just, I mean, she can't change it into a sanitized record shop because nobody's going to shop at it regardless, right? Yeah, but I, I, if, if, uh, if Alex is doing it so he can keep Z- Josie in the picture, 
Um, and Xandra's there just to, like, frustrate Alex, basically, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Then what does that mean besides... I, I, I feel know. like they, they can't shut it down. She's a character that they need to develop further, and I think they will as the show goes on. Um, yeah. She can't just be an abject villain who comes in for one seed and messes up their plans because... There's got to be more of that. I mean, I know that's like that's classically what her character is in Josie and the Pussycats, but I think to for the life of the show, there needs to be more to it. Oh no, it's yeah. gonna just it, she's always a button. That would be hilarious. Well, let's talk about the reference. This is another one of the check-ins uh, when they're all on the bed, and when Josie figures out, you know what? Actually, I can get the money from the Cabots, and she says those siblings are more drama than Cheryl and Jason Blossom, and one of them died. Yeah. So my note was an arrow pointing that saying, what? Because for a bunch of reasons. First of all, everybody has the reaction of like, I think it's specifically Katie and Pepper look at each other being like, we don't know who those people are. Yeah. Why <laughs> would you was, bring that up? <laughs> why would you bring up this reference that none of us get? Second of all, why is it like so much drama that Jason died? That's a weird thing to say. No, no, no. But she's just referencing the fact that Cheryl Blossom is very high drama, loves the drama, soaks it up. Uh, you know, it's when she's at her best and... Like, if you think that is, uh, you know, like, bad, these are worse. And, like, it's so crazy. Even one of them's not there anymore, and it's still, like, crazy amount of drama. Yeah, that's the way I took it, is, like, these twins create drama and so much that even after one of them died, there was even more drama. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. My biggest quibble of all is nobody creates more drama than Cheryl Blossom. It is a ridiculous <laughs> statement to say yeah. anybody else creates more bra- drama than Cheryl Blossom. Wow. That's just That's not accurate. Here, here's my takeaway. This show is set five years in the future. We know for a fact that Cheryl Blossom lives for at least five more seasons of Riverdale. Yeah. We don't know that because she could have continued. They could have cut the scene short and she could have said uh, that those siblings are more drama than Cheryl and Jason Blossom. And one of them died. And also the other one died. <laughs> no. That is the way people talk. <laughs> yeah. That's that's normal dialogue. Uh, I'm just saying it's to exciting to have TV Cheryl show. be in a totally safe zone. Yes, I agree as well. Uh, Jason, still dead, though. So that's also good to establish. Spoilers, come back bro. to life. Yeah. True. It, the Riverdale is such a crazy show. It actually may be a better establishment that, that Jason remains dead and isn't somehow resurrected. Yes. Uh, so let's jump over to Pepper's storyline, because this is the first time we get a Pepper storyline at all. She was very much a side of the first episode, coming in, being comic relief, dropping a bunch of cultural references. But here we find out a big deal, a big bunch of what's going on with her. Uh, she is staying in a fancy apartment building. She talks to, I don't a know. Hotel. Dorp, yeah. Is it a, a it's hotel? Like a, yeah. It, it's that's hotel. what I, it's like. What's that? Yeah, I think it's like hotel apartments. She's staying in a suite or something like that. Yeah, very fancy. Uh, And I assume a concierge comes and talks to her, and she says, I'm off to make my dreams come true. Uh, Her dream, as she pitches to a smarmy investor at a fancy restaurant, is she wants to make a multimedia art space, is essentially what it is, right? Like Andy Warhol's factory, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in order to get that done, we get a little glimmer of what's actually going on with Pepper here when she goes and checks out the space. Which well, wait, is just one second. Loft. So she's yeah. talking to this dude, Chad. Yeah. 
Yeah, Chad uh, really just wants to do coke in the bathroom like it's now, the 80s. I, let me ask you, I'm only familiar with drugs like Jingle Jangle. What is coke? Sure. What is cocaine? <laughs> oh, it's uh, like Jingle Jangle, but if you take it out of the tube. Yeah, uh, yeah I yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I love that this guy wants to go do coke at what I'm assuming is like noon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very noon early in the he's day. He's at like a nice restaurant in Midtown or something like that. So no. it all tracks. Wait. Wait, Justin, you remember that one time uh, we were in that bathroom and you were like, what is that dude sniffing? And I was like, it's fun dip. He's he's doing fun dip. Oh, I got you. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I tried it. It was good. It was like really <laughs> good candy. Wow. Yeah, you've been uh, buying fun dip nonstop, but it hasn't really worked the same way, right? Yeah, I don't know what it was. It must have been a special flavor. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. it just tasted like mm-hmm. fun. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, it's those. Uh, remember that limited edition they did, like, the mystery flavor where you had to, like, guess what it was? It's probably it. Yeah. yeah. I do believe in actual fun dip that the mystery flavor was cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> now, when she does find the perfect space, she immediately scams the real estate agent to get her down to this price. And that's what I mean about getting that first glimmer. The pepper is not exactly on the level. So you're certainly a mover and shaker. Uh, but she is very easy with a scam, and we get that confirmed immediately afterwards when she goes back to the hotel apartment, whatever it is, and it turns out her credit is no good. She pays the concierge, tells her to bring her stuff to the space. Dee Dee is the la- concierge's name, I believe. What's her name? Dee Dee. Dee Dee. Uh, and Dee Dee shows up there, and then they smoocheroo and fall oh. back on the bed, and that's where we leave the episode. Um, so what do you think about this? Now that we know what's going on with Pepper, what's your take on that? I like Pepper a lot more now after seeing that. Like, she's not just some, like, uh, very wealthy hoity-toity. Like, she's faking it. She's, like, New York in it. Where she's <laughs> you like pretending. her better than she's faking it. Yeah. Well, I think it goes to show that even the rich con women are struggling in New York City. Yeah. 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 And she so just we, wants to make it as a con woman. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect time in America to uh, con. The con is on. Yeah. She's going to pull a big short, I bet. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's a con, right? Uh, but I really do. I love her dream. Her dream meshes well with everybody else. I can see. I feel like her plot this season will be getting this club open. And by the end of the season, Everybody will be performing there in some way mm-hmm. or another. Uh, because I, I think hope so. the future of this storyline dovetails uh, perhaps nicely with uh, Jorge Ginger's story um, as someone who is struggling with the dream versus the reality and maybe having to change uh, her dream. Well, let's talk about that. So uh, Jorge's kickoff with his mom, played by Daphne Rubin Vega, uh, shows up. She wants him to audition for a Broadway show. Uh, And in fact, he does audition and the director gets completely distracted and dismisses him because they heard about his outburst, which I thought was a great plot move to not let that go. Yeah, I agree. Um, And... Uh, the cats, his audition was going well, I thought. Very yes. jellical. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he is a good dancer. Jody Boshop is, we were talking about this in the last episode. He's a good dancer. He's a good yeah. singer. He's a good actor. Real yeah. triple threat going on there. Triple yeah, threat. I really love Give the him a tri- knife and he'd turn into a quadruple threat. He, uh, <laughs> I really love the, the casting in this. I mean, um, 
you know, I'm keep waiting for the musical numbers during the show. It's like a fun thing that they do that really fits. And the people that they have singing and dancing are so great. It's, it's just a nice part of the show that seamlessly kind of turns into a song. Of all these shows where the uh, musical numbers are sort of dropped in, it it works the best here on Katie Keene. It's like yeah. seamless. They're all performers. It feels very natural. I really appreciate it. But and uh, let me say, like, uh, I think Jorge is a triple threat, but so is Pete, obviously. Pete uh, LePage? Pete LePage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, uh, those, the, triple, the three threats are sleeping, uh, swearing, as we know, and hot dogs. Uh. <laughs> That's more of a threat to him, right? That's Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Great. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, so then uh, the rest of what happens with Jorge is he calls his agent or manager and is complaining. Uh, he's not exactly blacklisted, but he's as good as blacklisted. Begs him to get an audition, and he says, well, there is an audition for the hit rap musical Jefferson. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which Historical. is great. Absolutely love that. Uh, and he goes to the audition, he raps, and he nails it. Yeah, it was good. Absolutely nails it. Yeah. Uh, very uh, fun. And in fact, gets the role, but it turns out the role isn't for the Broadway show. It's for the touring company. And as we know, we've all worked in performance. We've all worked on shows. When you get hired for a show, you leave the next day to go start performing the show. That That's is how, how tours go. No, no time to rehearse. <laughs> no fittings. Get in there, kid. You're the star. <laughs> yes. Nobody cares. In uh, in Dubuque, they don't know anything about theater. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he reveals that he's leaving immediately, but is going to do one last drag show. Uh, because, and then he also finds out, sorry, I did some very spotty notes here, uh, but basically he finds out from the other Queens that, uh, Ginger can't be herself on the road. Yes. Because yeah. the rest of the America is not as allowing of drag, which, uh, doesn't feel exactly accurate to be in this day and age. I could be wrong, but I understand the artifice of doing it to the show. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more places to perform in New York for sure, uh, but there's definitely pockets. Like, there's definitely pockets where Ginger could shine. I, I agree it's a bit of an exaggeration, but there's definitely some underlying truth there that there are many parts of the country where several things about uh, the many of these characters' lifestyles would not be... Um, accepted or like yeah. at least like supported. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this might be too much pragmatism and too much reality to apply to the show, which clearly is, as we've talked about, a fairy tale. But the fact that he nailed the audition, got hired for the touring company, go do that. Like, yes, Jesus Christ. I was very <laughs> surprised that the story went to he's quitting <laughs> instantly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his agent is definitely going to be mad about oh, that. Oh yeah, if you if you think you were blacklisted before, oh, oh you're God. toast now. Jesus, that that was like I know that maybe it will have repercussions the next episode, and I understand this is all about like pursue your real dream, whatever that is. But just on a realistic level, he's going to be able to save up enough money over a year of doing a touring company and build up a legitimate credit, as well as probably get into equity, and then be able to come back to New York and get roles on Broadway and audition for that. So crazy pants. He should have done it. Yes. Um, and it's crazy he's not more worried about the repercussions to his career. He's more worried about his mom. He goes to the mom, and the mom's fine. 
Yeah, yeah she's fine with it. Well, she's like, that's I mean, cool. It was a sad moment when, he, uh, you know, like, he, you know, realized, like, oh, man, this is going to be different. And then everybody else on the show is super sad, like, oh, wait, Jorge, you're leaving? This is yeah. going to blow. And then I was like, yeah, Jorge, don't leave. But I'm obviously like in real life, you should leave. But for the show, I was like, I don't want to watch an episode that you're not in. Yeah. I was also surprised that they did the I'm leaving New York in the second episode of the series. Maybe yeah. it was yeah. to like get that plot point off the way. But that is a classic season finale thing. Yeah. That now they probably can't do again. Well, they can do it with other characters. I think sure. I would buy I would buy it later again, uh, especially for Josie, who's like sort of like figuring it out. If she like has a huge uh, situation or offer coming her way. What if they did it every episode? One of the characters has to leave New York and decide whether they're leaving New York or not. And they always decide to stay in New York. Well, uh, what I think they're going to go the opposite way, as we will talk about, um, Ko uh, is going to move into the apartment. I feel like by the end of the season, all characters—Gloria, the Prince—they'll all be living in the apartment with them. The lighthouse will be there. Yeah, yeah. the lighthouse uh, shows up with its bags. Like, hey, can I, can I? I'm sorry, I'm a little bright at night. <laughs> Don't look directly at me. Yeah, it's not that I snore. It's just that I'm going to hit you with a huge strobe light in the face. I slowly yeah. rotate my head, blasting light in people's faces all night long. If you're worried that I go, that's foghorns. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm a lighthouse. Like it's all good. But I am dating a foghorn, and I want him to move in, too. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing we should mention about Jorge Ginger's storyline is she performs a million reasons up at Molly's Crisis. It's great. Uh, I also, I'm not 100% familiar with drag culture. It's a little weird to me that Ginger is actually singing stuff versus lip syncing, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. But I'll stop, I'll stop grading Pete's. Yeah. It's great. It's well, so that's good. A, yeah. I think, you know, if you can sing, you sing. But if you can't, then you lip sync. That's a nice That's <laughs> I, a nice shorthand to go by. Sure. Yeah. I, if there are anybody who uh, is more familiar with drag culture who knows anything about this, or if there are any drag queens that listen to this podcast, just let us know that we don't know what we're talking about. All right, let's jump over to Katie's storyline. No, I, I, is, I can say for certain that there's. it's not always lip syncing. It's uh, often okay. sung for real. But it's not like a step down where you're sad, so you have to lip sync? As no. Pete suggested, I'm not saying it's sad. They don't. They don't judge. If you want to, if you want to sing it, great. And if you don't, you know, it's yeah. It's all about. Just... Hey, everybody! I'm a little too sad to sing tonight, so I'm just gonna sing. Okay. What the fuck, man? I don't know. You said it. Um, I like the um, the outfit. Felt like cab. It felt like the theme, like York, a cab. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was cool, sort of like uh, getting in the taxi to leave town uh, yeah. and then slowly stripping it away um, before uh, she ran off stage. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, jumping over to Katie's storyline, she uh, gets into the room with Gloria. Amanda tries to shut her down. Oh, but it nasty turns Amanda. Out, oh. Nasty old Amanda. But it turns out the prince, who she helped a prince with his fiance the last episode and crushed it, he wants Katie to work f- with him to design a ring for his fiance. Right. Yes. Uh, and what's weird is that 
we didn't get because we had. I really like the Katie and the you know soon to be fiance with the trying on the dresses and that stuff. And it was weird that like she wasn't there and it was just the prince. Like I understand I'll he's picking out the ring, but there's a uh, there's some serious chemistry there between the prince and Katie. I thought for sure he was going to ask her out when she showed him the ring. Yeah. Yeah, the well, way she looked at him when he put it on was it's a bit much. There was a little bit of a hand touch. Like he kind of stroked her hand. He touched her hand a little bit and she felt something. And if KO hadn't shown up at that point, I think things might have gotten in a different direction. And then uh, later else? again when she shows him the uh design of the ring, I felt like he, the way he was looking at her, I was like this is on. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I I was almost surprised there wasn't a twist where he's like, and the ring is for you. Yeah. Which would have been over the top. Yeah, it would have been over the top. Two episodes, two proposals, that'd be crazy. But I do like the fact that the beginning of the episode. Yeah, what is this, Riverdale? I do like the fact that at the beginning of the episode, they set up how KO, she's like, oh, KO's the best. He's always there for me. He's always like right on time. And like he shows up right when like it's that weird ring moment, and I was just like, "Wow, she really did, did call that early." Yeah, uh, we get a classic. Uh, I appreciated Lucy Hale's physical comedy in this episode as the ring gets stuck on her finger as Ko comes in and he's like, "Why are you wearing a ring? What's going on?" Which is, yeah. I at the same time as I really started shipping the Prince and uh, Katie in this episode, I felt so bad for Ko because he is so sweet and yeah. so nice. He's just trying to do the right thing, and Kate, he walks in, and Katie is wearing some other ring. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah, it, it did. And I will say again, I know I keep saying this, but this feels just like so classic, so like uh, old, old movie, like, and I love it as an updated uh, version of that. Uh, then we get the worst New York moment of the episode, in my opinion, uh, K.O. says, hey, you want to go out for lunch? And he and Katie are sitting outside and chatting and they're eating what looks like hot dogs with nothing on them that they put hot dog side down. <laughs> and that drew you, me a little. Wow, I can't it, believe the detail in which you paid attention to that. I, it bothered me so much. Not he, as a they, resident hot dog expert, what, what did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? Well, first of all, I mean, obviously, like, get Alex, whatever you want. Xander, Pete is yes. the hot dog expert on this. Oh, podcast. Pete's the hot dog. I thought hot dogs were a threat to him. No, that's, uh, that, it's a threat, and that's why he knows their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, Pete, what, how do you eat a hot dog? What's the New York way to eat a hot dog? Well, you know, there, I feel like there's no New York way. It's like how you like it. Some people like sauerkraut. Some people like, you know, but it is about putting condiments on a hot dog. That's the fun part about hot dogs. Let's hear you know, it. What are your condiments, Pete? I go ketchup mustard. Disgusting. Oh, God. What are you, a baby? <laughs> what does that Alex, mean? What are you? Uh, I usually go for mustard and sauerkraut. Oh, that's what are you, gross, baby? too. What are you talking about? What do you put on it? Mustard relish. Perfect. Oh, God. Oh. Relish is gross. Covered in <laughs> relish. No. How do we tape this many podcasts together? Yeah. Yeah. We understand. have nothing in common. <laughs> nothing in common. <laughs> that's um, gross. Pete, you spend, oh, a lot of time also- in, you spend a lot of time in Philly. Don't they have a different way they do it down there? 
Well, I was going to say, in Detroit, they do like a Coney Island dog where it's like, you know, it's got like a chili on it, like a chili sauce, and then they put like a bunch of other condiments on it, which is really great. And it's weird that they call it a Coney Island dog. It is. Because where I'm from in upstate New York, there's a separate hot dog called Coney's that are spicy and white, white sausage. Mm. Oh, I love a white hot dude. Yeah. And in Chicago, um, they slice the hot dog down the middle, cream cheese. Oh, what? What are you no. talking about? Where yes, do they do that? Chicago, that's Chicago style. Go to Chicago. No, Chicago. no. Chicago style is running it through the garden. You put a bunch of like chunks of cucumber and shit on there. What? <laughs> yeah. Running it through the garden. Yeah. You, no, so yeah, you get a hot dog, garden. run it through the garden. Yeah. yeah you know what I'm garden. talking about, right, Pete? Yeah. You're the hot yes. dog guy. Yeah. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's legit. Uh, yeah, it's like you were t- holding a hot dog out in front of you and just smashing through as many vegetables as possible and whatever falls on your hot dog you eat. Yeah, and let's not forget California style where you buy a hot dog and throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless, don't eat your hot dogs with nothing on them um, facing downwards on the table. Facing down is the weirdest thing. Yeah, That no, made me think I, I no assume... one on set had ever eaten a hot dog before. <laughs> <laughs> I have I was... to assume it was the hot dogs kept blowing away or something like that. So they were like, I'm just going to put this like this. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not blowing away. Maybe there were not just hundreds of hot dogs blowing down <laughs> the street. <from> the <laughs> blowing <laughs> away. Hundreds of hot dogs. <laughs> what dystopian world are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying, every time they put down a hot dog in front of them, it just went whoop right down the street. That happened in the Great Depression a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I Hot remember that when right I was out pushing of my, my hand. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I go to bite it. It was a whole bit for my silent movie. Uh, anyway, so uh, Ko's mom, it turns out, is throwing an engagement party for them, even Oof. though she hasn't said yes. Katie says, "No problem. What could possibly go wrong? Let's go and do this party." Uh, as we mentioned, can't hurry. Love happens over it. Very pointed, very specific. Uh, and then we get, uh, as you mentioned, Justin, I think the sweetest scene in the episode, Katie and uh, K.O.'s mom, a.k.a. Lena Dunham's mom from Girls Talk as they wash dishes. Uh, and she says, I wish your mom was here, too. And he gives Aww. her their family ring, but she can't take it. Yeah. Such a sad scene. Well, I'm glad that she's finally being honest with the mom. That's great. I did think it was a little fucked up that like the dudes were watching TV, drinking beers, and the, the women were in the kitchen washing dishes. I was like, nah. But I, I mean, I, what? I mean, that's like a very classic old school Irish or Italian family. You have that separation. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying like. That's what they set them up as, as the most classic Irish family possible. Okay. So I get it. Well, you know, whatever. It's 2020. Anyway, so (laughs) I I was like, uh, I was glad that Katie was finally coming clean and being like, hey, you know, I'm not as into this as everybody thinks I am. I got it, you know. And it was heartbreaking. The mom did an amazing job acting of like she was crushed when she didn't take the ring. Yeah. Uh, We also get a sweet thing. Uh, There's a great shot of they're waiting for, I guess, the bus to get home. And uh, Katie is sitting there. K.O. is completely asleep on her shoulder. Very cute. Yeah. K.O., one of my favorite characters on the show right now, which I I was not expecting going in. He's very sweet. Yeah, he really is. 
Uh, and then, uh, as we mentioned, Katie designs the perfect ring for the prince. He loves it. And off of that, Gloria offers her her job back while she is once again eating one of those little raspberry cakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, Katie talks to Gloria and is honest with her, tells her about the proposal. And Gloria says, tell him the truth. And they both yeah. cry a little bit and wipe their tears away. Very super sweet. sweet. Yeah, now, here's the thing, sweet. though. Uh, Katie is confronted with multiple decisions in her life. And in this episode specifically, right here especially, she's like, you have to choose between working in this job that is not what you want, but is you're good at and seems to be serving uh, her or go back to the windows where she gets to be more creative. And rather than make a choice, it's like, oh, you can just do both. And then again, later, it's like with KO, she's been struggling all episode and she's like, do I marry her or end the relationship? And she then doesn't do either of them and muddies it and says, let's just stay together, move into our apartment. Right. So uh, that's... Which I think is like, yeah, I see what you're saying, Justin, and you're right. But that's a normal thing to do in a relationship move in together, that's a next step that's, you know, taken to another level. So, like, I think instead of just saying, yeah, I'll marry you, like, hey, let's live together first and make sure neither one of us hate each other. Well, I think this is, this gets to what we were talking about earlier, that at least part of the show, I think, maybe, is about the difference between reality and dreams. And here, Katie is making a suggestion to KO, which is let's move in together and test uh, how our relationship works on this level before we jump right to the fairy tale, beautiful street in New York, right in front of, again, what I assume is a Papa John's uh, doing a proposal there, the most romantic place you could possibly go. Uh, but you have like these two things that are fighting and she's choosing the actually more realistic thing to do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I, I agree it's realistic, but I just, I really believed her when she was saying, I love him, but I know I don't want to marry him. And yeah. that that's that's intense to say, and then I'll keep the relationship going. And then the cliffhanger at the end of the episode is like, but that's not going to work out, basically. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm there sick of, Zalbin, I'm sick of you uh, shitting on this beautiful proposal in front of a pizza shop. All right, fancy guy, where did you propose in New York City that was, like, you know, so much better? Uh, I mean, I'll answer that question, but first of all, I cannot think of any place fancier than in front of a Papa John's I was giving a compliment. Okay, because to me, it really sounds like the opposite of that. Well, when they say you have to ask the father's permission, they mean Papa John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But to answer your question, Pete, if you want to know the place that I proposed in New York, that place was California. Oh, wow. There you go. That's not New York at all. This fucking hellhole as I possibly could get. I didn't want no rig thieves to steal my ring. Yeah. Out where the pizza's made in a kitchen. California. Were you at at least in front of California Pizza Kitchen? Of course I was in front of California Pizza Kitchen. Where else would I be? Well, you know. I got married, didn't I? I thought because it's California, you know, maybe you did in front of a taco stand or a burger spot, you know. No, no, no. California Pizza. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't do any more. We'll get uh, sued. Uh, What about you, Justin? Which New York spot did you uh, propose in front of? Uh, I proposed in uh, the bar. uh, 
my uh, wife and I, uh, when we were had first like just met, we went to a bar that I would later hang out in a lot and work at. And the bartender, who I didn't know but later became very good friends with, was like, oh, go up on the roof. It's got a great view of the New York skyline. Um, even though the restaurant was closed, we went up there, had our first kiss. And so my proposal was I tricked her into coming there. This is sort of a longer story. I had also brought a door home, and I was like, I'm going to make this door into a table. And she was like, yeah, right, because, you know, she doesn't think I'm handy. But I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah? Then three years later, I built it into a table secretly, <laughs> brought the table onto the roof of that bar, and wow. <laughs> proposed to her in front of the table um, after lying to her and telling her that Dolly Parton was there. <laughs> was she disappointed? Very disappointed that there was no Dolly. Holy but, shit. But I that was the, the, the lure. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that you had to go big to get her there. And Dolly Parton is such a letdown. But man, the fact that you somehow got a door table all the way up on the roof is impressive. It was very difficult. It's three stories up, and we had to take it apart. My brother helped me take it apart, reassemble it. Um, it was tricky. But also, she lived um, on the Upper West Side. I lived in Brooklyn, so like... Luring her to my neighborhood was not easy, so I had to go big. Wow. Yeah, you could have left her maybe like a trail of uh, jelly beans a or something. A trail like of that. diamond rings. <laughs> diamond <laughs> rings. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, before we wrap up here, we had talked about this the last episode about doing some sort of New York tips at the end of the episode. I feel like we covered that. The main tip is don't eat your hot dogs. Uh, Toppingless or upside down Those are both bad ideas Well seriously let's do the, it's a, the Get the big one out of the way first What's your pizza spot What's the pizza place You're like that's the one I go to Oh my god Well it depends on What kind of mood I'm in Am I hungover Am I you know Is this like the, the, the midday Like wh- when, when is this is for this context, late night drunk? What for, what is this? For context, Pete eats pizza and drinks all day, every day. <laughs> He's like a teenager and ninja turtle, but a human who likes to drink. Yeah. Um, um, I would say just this is like when you're going mid afternoon. Uh, you don't need the pizza. You want the pizza. Okay. Okay. I mean, I usually, honestly, like. Almost any pizza place when you're walking around is fine. Like, obviously, there's going to be some. Wow, great. What an expert. Great. Yeah, no, so, no, no, no. But seriously, fine. I think so like you're saying literally York. any pizza? Pizza you find on the ground is fine. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in the trash, you grab it. It's New York. Uh, that's pizza. what I call raccooning it, bro. Uh, I No, but seriously, like other towns, I absolutely would not do that. And I avoid pizza in other towns because it's usually too bready and way too gross. But if it is late at night or something and you're like, I'm craving pizza, stopping in at any combination of famous original Rays is usually, it's going to be fine. It's going to be about the same thing. And then I feel like nice places like a John's Pizza or a Grimaldi's or something, those are on a different level. Like, they're a different sort of meal. What are you doing? You're just naming good pizza spots. Answer the motherfucking question. No, this is what I am answering. Because to me, it's like... Uh, going to a John's or a Grimaldi or, oh my God, what's the the name of the place that also has the good burgers? I'll look it up in a second while one of you's talking. But like something like that, to me, that's like, that's having a different sort of meal than just grabbing a slice. Okay. Talking about Big Nick's? No, I'm not talking about Big Nick's. I'll look it up. What's your, what's your big tip, Pete? 
Oh, wow. I like it <laughs> um, when you're nasty. angry. That's, you know, that's yeah. fun. Um, uh, I would say that uh, if it's like a midday, um, I'm going to go with Prince Street Pizza. You get the grandma pepperoni slice. That's fucking money. Wow, that's good. Um, I'm going to go with uh, New York Pizza Suprema, which is on 8th and I want to say like 31st. Uh, that is a great, they have a, they do grandma slices as well, which are great, but, uh, the, the sauce is a little saltier than other places. So if you like salt, it's a perfect, perfect slice for you. That's a weird thing to say, man. Salt on a pizza. That's what it's you not like. Salt, it's weird. not salt on the pizza. I'm saying the sauce is a little saltier. Like no, if, I heard you, you. if you like it to be like that, uh, sort of rich, spicy flavor, this is the spot. Okay. That's different uh, than saying salty. I would say, uh, to, to call out a specific, like, very basic pizza place, Smiling Pizza, which is right by me in Park Slope, is actually pretty good. And there was a thing that I never in a billion years would have thought to get, but a friend got it. It was real good. There's a salad slice, which is, like, basically just salad <laughs> on a pizza. Alex, very you're good. ruining pizza. Yeah, You're exactly. single-handedly you, ruining you pizza. You are killing me right no, now. No, man, you run the pizza through the garden. You know what, what? I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what was the burger pizza place that you were talking about? Oh, my God. Uh, oh, Emily Pizza. My favorite pizza just has vitamins on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, my favorite Emily, pizza is you when, you go when you get a burger. I just want pizza with my homework on it because I'm good. <laughs> Fine. That's you, Alex. That's you, Emily, Zan. Emily and Clinton Hill, Motorino Pizza is also uh, pretty good. Boo. They're both very good, but they're not just a plain slice, which you can get fucking anywhere. <laughs> Folks, not- if you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll argue with you about pizza. You're Socially, ridiculous. we don't have Katie Keen channels, but we do have Riverdale channels. Riverdale Dark on Twitter. Riverdale After on Instagram. Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice if you want to subscribe to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And remember, whatever you're dreaming, dream it in your heart, dream it with your soul, but dream it first with your head. <laughs> <laughs>